This is the Hunt, Fish, Conserve podcast hosted by Ethan Evans and Tyler Swens. Today we are joined by Trevor Hanna, an inspiring bow hunter and fitness junkie. Trevor is like us and has he has, has no one to show him how to hunt and he is looking to get into bow hunting this year and has some general questions for us who have been doing it for a couple of years now. So I guess we'll just ask, you know, where did this kind of passion kind of come from for the outdoors? Because you kind of relate to us in a way where, you know, you didn't really have a family who hunted or weren't really close to people who hunted. Yeah. Um. So I guess my grandpa is the only one that truly hunted. And I think he just went, uh, all I remember is he'd give us deer sticks and that's the only way I knew he hunted. So I guess when we were younger, Ty and I, uh, you know, we grew up in the same town and I guess being outside and doing all that, you know, when you're little, you can do that all the time. And then it was super fun. And then when high school starts and college and I kind of got away from it and I kind of missed that and seeing you, Ethan and Ty be able to hunt and do all that type of stuff outside again, kind of, you know, was like, dang, I actually kind of want to do that. So yeah, I definitely relate with that. I mean, definitely with doing sports in high school. I mean, you're just so busy and it's kind of like fully encompassed on that. So looking for something after college or not after college, but high school per se, that's where I kind of found hunting in some ways too. Yeah. And especially for me, uh, we grew up playing a lot of video games and I kind of got deeply involved into video games and that brought me away from the outdoors and I was just sitting on my Xbox all the time. And then once, once I hit high school, like Ethan said, I wanted to pursue it more and more and soon I was away from the video games and outside all the time. I mean, like, I mean, you can say it, Chad, but I think like you kind of watch like Joe Rogan, who's like been a really good advocate for hunting. And I think like seeing some of those guys on podcasts and like talking about it in a new light, because I mean, I'll even say like they definitely contributed some of my interest at first because I mean, around us, like the hunting is a lot different than what they were talking about but they kind of painted hunters in like a, di- I mean like around us, like we kind of think about hunters in a certain way, but yeah. in, in like until you hear somebody like Joe Rogan and like those Ronella guys talk about it, like you kind of start to understand like hunting in a different atmosphere. Well, and I think too, you bring up Joe Rogan, which like I liked him mainly because I was, I could see myself in him. He wasn't a guy who had a huge family, uh, big into hunting and he really just wanted to try it. Yes. he, is rich so he can like be able to afford all that type of stuff but seeing someone even at his age i don't know how old joe rogan is but like seeing him at that age pick it up and like want to try it and the impact it's had on his life and all the experience he's gotten from it the friends that he's met you know uh well i think rogan's really good at it too where like he kind of talks about hunting in like a good light where it's like not just going out and like hanging out with your buddies and hunting it's like talking about the meat behind it too. And I think that was something that like kind of shocked me. And I think it shocked you as well. Yeah. 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 For me, you know, seeing, seeing a guy like that, who's really never wanted, who's really never pursued that in his earlier life. And he is so involved in hunting now. Not even just crazy, not even just going out to kill an animal. It means so much more to him and it's fun to listen to his stories. Well, I mean like we were kind of, I mean like we were kind of growing up and we're kind of like getting more and more like uh, individual or, to like learn more about like what we're doing and you know like i guess i didn't really ever question like where my meat really came from until you start listening to some of those podcasts and i think like when joe rogan starts talking about like oh i mean like you don't really know what's like going on behind the scenes when you go to walmart and buy your meat yeah yep being such a 
health freak and fitness junkie that you are, um, does that ever cross your mind, you know, wondering where, where's my food coming from? And yeah, um, all the time, like, okay, you know, when Ty and I go and get our groceries like for the week or something like that, uh, when I'm constantly buying, uh, I usually always go with like ground beef or ground, more ground turkey nowadays, but you know, sitting there like, where did this come from? You know, uh, what happened? Uh, how did they process this? You know, just figuring out where it came from instead of like, you know, mainly for a health aspect, but you know, at the same time, just, I don't know, that does interest me a little bit because I think one of the biggest things with the health is, you know, you see a label and you think, oh yeah, healthy. And then like tie that app that you had that like rates yeah, the that, food. It gives you like a grade. You just take a picture of the, what is it? The code? The, yeah. The barcode and it yeah. gives it a letter grade. No, I don't know. Yeah. I've been scanning. I've been scanning stuff at the store just for fun, just to see what, what kind of letter grade it got. And it's crazy to see the underlying preservatives that they put into these healthy foods so, well, i mean that even you can even say the same thing about like organic stuff I yeah mean, i mean organic stuff is just as bad i mean it's just kind of a label they throw on a lot of stuff or you know like 100 percent grass-fed i mean just some of those grass-fed doesn't mean it wasn't corn finished or other things weren't pumped in to make it more profitable by any means yeah and the thing that crosses my mind too is when you harvest that deer and bring it to the butcher it i mean i'm sure they're pretty good about it but just me being paranoid it's like is that my deer Oh, you know, mm-hmm. like you really don't know. Yeah. I mean, like if they're getting like, I mean, what's an average, probably even like an our little small town butcher and like an average shotgun season, they probably see at least like, you know, what, a hundred deer in a week or so or more. Yeah. If not more. But I mean, yeah, I mean like, I think, you know, and Joe Rogan kind of like touches on it too, where like, it's a lot of fitness involved with it too. And I think you kind of were interested in that as well. Yeah. Right? yeah. Especially like, you know, seeing the conditions that they were in, you know, it's not like when they're saying, yeah, we walked like uh, 10, 15 miles today, you know, I just met automatically think, Oh, they're just, walk, you know, like me walking out on the pavement, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, you're not I, seeing them walk like the crazy terrain that they're in. And I remember one time, uh, watching one when Joe Rogan, like took his shoes off to like, yeah. Stalking him. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, um, a lot of stuff, I mean, it's rough terrain. I mean, there is no trail a lot of the time. I mean, you're side hill and you're going over ridges. I mean, it's a lot of tough terrain and a lot of time it always seems like you're going uphill. So yeah. If you want to get to like where those elk live and how to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, even like general fitness around us is like really important. I mean, there's some places, I mean, we don't have as big of parcels of land that they do out West, but it's really important to like, you know, get away from the pressure. And I think a lot of more people are kind of starting to realize that, but I mean, I think they say the average deer hunter around us only gets away, only gets like half mile from the trailhead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, who, who's, in, who's to say like, what's another mile away. So, I mean, you might, lose a lot of people if you're willing to walk a mile because i mean a lot of those a lot of these spots around us you you probably could walk a mile into it but a lot of the times you know you walk a mile and you're already out of public if you were to walk that mile yeah yeah uh just being able to like i don't know when i got into hunting that's kind of why i wanted to specifically do bow hunting because like i know you're hiking with everything but just seeing joe rogan and like uh Cameron Haynes was another one seeing what they do. And like, I don't know, I thought that was really cool. And that's kind of why, like specifically I thought bow hunting would be a perfect fit. Yeah. And I mean, like those guys are really good primers for like starting to get people like the ball rolling, but like when it comes to it, I mean, there's a lot 
lot to do behind the scenes that like they don't really share. And I mean, Ty can touch on this too. I mean, like, you know, between, I mean, there's a lot between like tree stand hunting whitetails in the Midwest versus elk hunting out West. And there's a big, there's a lot of gaps we made between there that they do get people like starting to think about it. But like, when you want to talk about gear choice, it's like, what do I need to backpack? What do I need to land navigate? How do I get around? You know, what do I do when I kill an animal? Like, you know, all that kind of small stuff that's kind of overlooked when they talk about what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, another thing about that, they don't really touch on, and this isn't to deter anybody by any means, but shooting a deer from a deer stand or shooting it out in the elements that they are is a totally different game. Yeah. It, it's totally different. And, and I don't want to talk down at deer stand hunters because I've done it and it is hard. Yeah, it is hard. And it's, it's a lot of fun too, by any means, but I mean, like, you also got to look like everybody's like, oh, Joe Rogan, you know, he had so much success. I mean, <laughs> but he also pays like high dollar for landowner tags. I mean, they're paying, you know, five, ten thousand dollars for where they're hunting at. They're paying. I mean, like he hunted in the California ranch, which it wasn't like high fence or any means, but like it was like the biggest piece of private land. And I think he paid like, you know, 50, 000, not 50,000, but like, you know, 20, 30,000 to pay for that hunt. I don't know this number for sure, but I mean, like there's a reason why he's successful. I mean. If you have money and you want to hunt, yeah, you can be successful. Yeah. Well, money talks. And yeah. Yeah. Even with like, I think one of the biggest uh, problems for me trying to start out is just finding a bow. Like um, I'm left eye dominant. So finding a left handed bow is hard enough. And then with uh, whatever budget, you know, like you're on, like, especially me, it's my first bow. I don't think I deserve like the top of the line. Yeah. Like, but, you know, uh, what, what did you <coughs> expect to get into or what did you what was your budget when you first started looking for a well uh, i kind of underestimated free. yeah <laughs> i want to free but no the biggest thing was that i was looking for around i wanted to say two well three to four hundred 450 probably would have been my max okay and you know uh ethan hooked me up with like a uh, facebook group and we've had some um i've talked to a couple people but Yet again, there's so much more than just a, like looking for a bow. Like I asked Ethan and Ty and, you know, you guys were saying, well, what about the strings? Or yeah. is there, which I don't even know, do you guys say like a sight? You know, that type of stuff. I was like, like I have no idea. Yeah, because I know when you approached us about it and you're like, well, what about this one? Or what about that one? Like you said, it'd be questions. Well, what about the strings? Well, what about the sight on it? Or what year is it? What kind is yeah. it? A lot of factors that go into just buying a bow. I mean, yeah, even backing up for a second, I think like the biggest thing for a lot of people, and I shot a right-handed bow for a long time and like two years, and then I was looking at the market for a newer bow, and I kind of came across this group where it was like, check your eye dominance. I was like, what? Check my eye dominance. It's yeah. like, I'm right-handed, so I shoot right-handed. And I figured out that I'm actually cross-eye dominant, I think they call it, or cross-hand dominant. So I'm right eye, I'm right-handed, but I'm left-eye dominant, like the same way Trevor yeah, is. Yeah, that's the same way I am. And I mean, it's kind of affected like even trap shooting, rifle shooting, bow shooting. So, I mean, it's something that I think a lot of people need to check out. And like, you know, I walked into bow shops before and they don't really ask people that question because they just no. kind of assume that you know that. So, I mean, that's probably like where I would say you start. Yeah, that is definitely where I started because, you know, I was uh, practicing shooting with one of Ethan's old right-handed bows and he's like, well, are you even right-eye dominant? And I'm like, well, I assume so. I'm yeah. right-handed, you know? Yeah, because... Cause I saw a lot of frustration, uh, with Ethan when we were, when we were out trap, trap shooting, we'd be like, I'd be like, Oh, try this or try that. And you know, miss clay, miss clay. And then, and then he found out he was yeah. left eye dominant. 
Yeah, I'm gonna say that. That's why I suck at shooting plays. <laughs> like, yeah, I was shooting right. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you're good at throwing them. Yeah, that's <laughs> about it. That's the <laughs> But I mean, yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of things I think get overlooked from very experienced people, even. So, yeah, I mean, like when you're going to look for a bow, there's a lot to kind of look for, and even especially when you go to the used market, because I mean, like if someone's new, it's like, oh, I'll go use because it's cheaper, and sometimes it's hard to say because even when you don't go do go used, it can be more expensive in the long run. By the time you know you upgrade your strings, by the time you upgrade accessories and stuff like that. So well, that's the thing I want to say. Prime example is found a bow. I think it was a Hoyt. I don't remember what year or whatever, and it was a left-handed bow and probably three fifty maybe. And I was like, all right, that's in the range. But then after you guys said the strings, the accessories, it was up to like I don't know four hundred and fifty dollars, just pushing my limit. So I think that was one of the biggest eye-opening things. Like just seeing, all right, the bow says this. I think of it, it's just kind of like a car. Like you are going to have to put a lot more into it once you buy it. Yeah. You know? And that's not even talking about arrows and like actual like hunting setups and stuff like that. So there's a lot. And you don't know if the bow is going to come with a case or not. Yeah. You, yeah. And a lot of variables. And another factor we didn't talk about is draw length. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd always ask Trev, yeah. like, what's the draw length on it? Is it adjustable? Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, if a bow doesn't fit you right, you're never going to shoot it good. And, like, that's where most people are frustrated with bow hunting because, like, they don't ever get a hit at bullseye because they're not shooting correctly or the bow doesn't fit them correctly. So, I mean, definitely, like, looking at some of those factors. But I'd say, like, you know, even for me, who I would consider myself, like, pretty personable and outgoing, I mean, going into a bow shop is, like, a pretty intimidating experience, especially, well, like, if you're new to it. It definitely yeah, even, is. Even going to Shields, I would not have gone into Shields and... <laughs> Uh, tested like my draw length and stuff if Ty went to Ben there because I look like I look stupid like going up there and say hey uh, I kind of <laughs> need like my draw length and they'd be like oh okay and like they were so yeah we've been here done that but this is my first time so I was super nervous and you know just trying to I mean even you I mean you're a pretty outgoing guy too and like having that experience there was like pretty nerve-wracking for you yeah well, yeah, no, for sure. Because the last thing anybody wants to do is sound like an idiot while they're... Especially in that stuff, yeah. I don't know if it's, um, you know, you see that strong, like, just hunters in general, they have this bond and connection, and here's me, an outsider, coming in, and wow, this kid doesn't even know his drawing. And, you know what I mean? And by any means, don't be afraid to ask questions when I say that. It's just, you know... Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of the bow shops that I've went into, I mean, there is, like, an older guy, but, I mean, like, their business is, like based on selling bows and like getting new people in the sport because like you know i've went into some shops where they go head over heels to like make sure you feel accommodated and there's others who do that's just a bare minimum and there's a big difference i mean you just got to like go out and try some and see who you like but you know having a good bow shop relationship is a really important thing to have and just like like ty said you just got to make sure you're asking you know as many questions as you can and like there truly is no stupid question and you know ty and i've been doing this for a couple of years now and like we still feel like we got new questions all the time and new we're always learning yeah because especially for me um by no means am i an expert about this stuff Be i i bought a used bow and then i sold it because i thought oh i don't want to bow hunt anymore but now that i sold it it's like well i want to bow hunt again so a little bit of research and a little bit of asking the right questions and definitely our the help from john carlson really taught me a lot yeah i mean definitely have someone that's like willing to like work with you but you know, actually, I went out and bought a new bow this year, and the biggest difference was like between my old bow and this one is probably 
and people, you know, a lot of things change in 15 years and I'm sure there's a lot of nitty gritty things that change, but you know, I knew a lot of people who were killing, a lot of people were killing deer 15 years ago with those bows too. And probably the worst thing was like the strings, you know, were probably bad on the old bow and it's just a lot heavier, but I mean, you can get it done with a used bow too. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask uh, you guys is like, when I look at uh, looking for bows, like what, say if you could make a list of like the top things I should look for in a bow, like what would they be? Because I, you know, like you go in and you guys were telling me all these things, but like, what are the, maybe like top three, I don't know that you guys. Well, I mean, I'd recommend buying from like a reputable company like Hoyt or Matthews, because I know that like those companies still warranty bows that are like 10 to 15 years old, where like, if you had something that like totally go wrong, like you broke a limb or a cam, it's still covered by warranty. It's still going to cost you some money to get it replaced but you're not totally shut out of luck if you were to break something bad. So you were able to get something like good. So staying with a reputable company and you know, like if you some, I mean, I know they all carry them, but another thing would be like going to a bow shop and just trying out a couple different bows and like pestering the guy. And you know, if you're trying to get into bow hunting, I wouldn't wait till, you know, September to go. No. I mean, go during the off season when these guys aren't as busy, you know, don't even go during Turkey season because those guys are busy fixing bows. Like, go in the like summer or something or just after turkey season and like spend an hour or two there and just shoot a bunch of bows and another thing i'll say about this and i can add on some other points but when you're looking at bows i think people get really lost in the idea of like what bow to buy because they think it's like i need like a bow really isn't necessarily i don't know if i can come up with a good analogy off the top of my head but like it's kind of like a bow is just like uh, it's just like the body almost and like there's a lot of other th- the body of a car and if you want to like add a lot of different things you can add a lot of different things that make it a lot better and the I mean like the a bare bow will get you to point A to point B which is shooting a deer but like it's kind of like what differentiates that bow is like what kind of accessories you put on because like you can get an air arrest for $25 you can get an air arrest for $300 so I mean I would honestly recommend people spending a little more time putting better accessories on and like putting a better bow on. Yeah. Okay. And I would, I would say on top of that, I would, I would compare pair it to, uh, I'm a big golfer. So I guess like a golf club, a driver is a driver in anybody's eyes, but go out there and test, test these used bows at these shops and kind of see what fits right to you or feel what's, or how do I want to say it? Like, make sure the bow feels comfortable to you. Okay, and, so like, yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, what were the two brands you said? Hoyt and, uh... Hoyt Matthews. Hoyt and Matthews. So, yeah. like, maybe to one, maybe to you guys, uh, Hoyt feels the best with you. Like, you just... Yeah. You love that, so... Yeah, and a lot of it, a lot of it is preference, I guess. A lot of people are pretty loyal to either Hoyt or Matthews, you know. I don't, I've never, never met a guy that would recommend both. I mean, they'd be like, well, you have to buy Matthews, but <laughs> Hoyt's an all right bow too, yeah. you know, or the other way around, but just go and feel, or go and find what feels comfortable to you. And that's the thing too. I mean, saying like going and find like what's comfortable to someone new is kind of tough. And I know I've said it too, but like, cause like they don't really, I mean like you probably don't really know what's even comfortable. Right. Cause like you're still yeah. learning technique and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it is kind of like a long-term investment. I mean, I'm still learning kind of what's comfortable to me as I'm sure Ty's kind of learning what's comfortable to him where like you got to like, kind of, it's kind of like a long-term investment and like, you know, you kind of buy a bow 
and you use it for a couple of years and you kind of think like, well, what do I like? What do I don't like about this bow? And then hopefully by that second bow, you might kind of like kind of figure it out. Cause it is just kind of like a niche thing. It's like, you know, a lot of bows like nine, you know, like I could shoot 90% of bows and kill a deer, but like, you know, there's that little slight difference with a different bow that I might like better. And then, Another thing I would add to that, once you once you find that bow that you really like and really enjoy, don't don't wait till deer season, like a week before deer season, to really start shooting arrows. Yeah, I think I think it's a lot of practice. I think that's what people really like about bow hunting is it's just a it's a really full encompassing sport where it's like you can always be in better shape, you can always be a better shooter, you can always be doing X, Y, and Z to make yourself better. Well, that's what I mean. Like the first time. Uh, I don't know what, when was that? It was like two months ago, yeah. maybe, uh, first time shooting and you know, there was, there was what, maybe like 15 things you told me within like three minutes, yeah. uh, just form wise. I didn't even shoot the bow yet. And I was like, <laughs> my God, like, I don't even like, I was just overwhelmed. So no, that was, and that's the thing that's too, is like when I first went to the bow shop, I bring my bow in, we get all set up, we're ready to shoot. I shoot something like. I'm still like, he's sitting there watching you and making sure he was looking right. And like, he was a super nice guy. And, but I'm still like really nervous. Cause I mean, like yeah. you're like around somebody you don't know. So, I mean, I bought the bow and like, I didn't really get comfortable about it like that fifth time I shot it. Cause I was just by myself and like, you know, learning the draw cycle, learn how it feels when I get it back in like my anchor position. And like, that's kind of like with you, like the biggest thing I'll say to people is like, once you buy a bow, like you just got to shoot with it and like, just get as much comfortable as you can. Cause and like being around someone that you're like friends with that you know well, I think that's like kind of what helped you a little bit, Trev. Yeah, I would say honestly uh, to anyone like in my position that has no idea what they're doing, if you can find at least a friend or even just going to like Shields and talking to someone saying, hey, look, I have no idea. Um, give me all your knowledge because uh, Ethan and Ty have helped me out a bunch with figuring out what type of bow, uh, you know, just the little things we've talked about so far so i don't know i think that would be the biggest thing i would suggest to someone in my position like find someone who can teach you yeah that does definitely help a lot yeah. I easier said I than done yeah you know, i'm lucky well, to have ethan and ty but well, I, I remember my first experience you know i didn't i didn't know anything about it i really had no interest in it and i was like well i kind of want to hunt deer and then my grandpa somebody's like oh you should get in touch with a guy like John Carlson. So I was like, all right. So I went over to John Carlson's and yeah, he was like, you need to do this, this, and this, and you know, just get a bow and we'll practice with whatever bow you come up with and really taught me the fundamentals at first. And that kind of brings me to where I am today. Well, yeah, that's the thing I think with like hunting is just like, or like getting a bow. I think it's really easy to like overcomplicate it to the point where like you do too much research and you like don't even know where to start. Yeah. And I think that like just getting a bow and going on a shooting is like the best thing that you can do because like the longer you wait, the less likely you have to do it and you're never really going to have time to do it. So it's better just to start and just start shooting. Yeah. Cause because unfortunately you can't practice everything all at once. You kind of got to take it step by step. Like if you think about every little thing that you need to do in just the form or process of shooting the bow, it, like you said, Trevor, it gets to become a lot at once. Yeah. I remember uh, specifically Ethan was telling me exactly where to put my face near like the bow. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, I didn't even know. I remember in PE, we just shot the thing. Like I was <laughs> yeah. like, what? I didn't even know that was a thing. So 
No, that and like Ethan said, you know, just shooting itself, shooting in itself helped 10 times more. Uh, just helped me get a little comfortable with it. I don't know. I'd say besides the all the pointers and stuff, having Ethan there and like kind of like critiquing after I shoot, say, what did I, what could I work on now or something like that really did help. Yeah, I definitely think like can't stress that enough how important that is to have someone there that you're just comfortable with and like, you know, and like you're comfortable with asking questions. I think Trevor did a really good job with like asking questions after I would tell him something that like if he didn't totally understand it, he was like comfortable enough asking me, you know, what, like, what do you actually mean by this? Because I feel like it's so easy to get lost in all the lingo and all the words and everything and all the technical terms that we always use day to day with other people who are bow hunters. And it's, it's hard to relate to a YouTube video. Obviously those YouTube videos and yeah. tutorials out there help a lot, but it's hard to relate to it. Um, when you're the only one there, you know, you can't watch yourself shoot the bow. Yeah. So just, just find someone. If you can find someone, it's really helpful and really beneficial to first starting out. So we talked to like, you guys have talked to me a little bit about the bow specifically, but now, if I'm going to say I'm a little bit more seasoned, uh, what would I need to know, like, to actually hunt, like, instead of just practicing shooting? Yeah, I mean, Ty, Ty's got a little more experience in the field than I do, but, I mean, when it comes to a lot of people in the Midwest, they tree stand hunt, that's what they call it. So, you know, we like Ty said, we hunt in smaller parcels of land. We don't do spot and stock. It's like, you can do spot and stock, but, like, a lot of people will usually want to go scout and you kind of find a tree that you like and you think that like there's deer sign around. And the next thing you kind of do is, you know, the best thing I would say is like kind of learn how to set up your tree stand and like how to kind of how it all works together. Another thing is like just being able to shoot up a tree stand is a whole different thing too. Yeah. Because sometimes the, sometimes you go out in the woods scouting for a spot to put up your tree stand. I mean, the little experience that I have, you go out there and you, okay, the deer have been running through here. You can see it on the ground, all the foot traffic. And then you might see a rub on a tree where they rub their antlers up against it or a scrape where they're like scraping at the dirt. And then it's like, all right, this is the spot. Mm -hmm. And you start looking around at the trees surrounding you. That's sometimes the biggest battle is finding a tree standing straight up with minimal branches on it to hunt out of. Because you want to be comfortable while you're all the way up there. Yeah, and like, you know, another thing is like, you know, you can hunt from the ground and there's people that are successful doing it and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I think you just maximize your chances if you're in a tree stand. So around Northern Iowa, what percentage of people like are in the tree stand? Like, oh, maybe 90 some percent. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I have no idea. So yeah. Okay. I mean, if, if they're not, they're usually like what's in a ground blind, which would be like kind of like what an ice fishing shelter looks oh, like, but yep, it's like totally okay. camouflaged. I mean, there are some people who like don't hunt out of anything. And if you're in a good enough spot and you have a good enough height, you can do it. But you're also playing with a thing that has like, you know, I don't know how good of an eyesight compared to us, but, you know, just an insane eyesight and smell. And the smell is another thing that will get you a lot of the times. Yeah. The, yeah. I didn't even know. Well, I don't know. This is probably like, this is pretty embarrassing. Probably four months ago, I was like, wait, like smells a big factor in hunting. Yeah. Like, I know that sounds stupid, but. Well, well to a new hunter, I mean, that. That was crazy to me in my mind when I first, like, first started hearing about deer hunting. I was like, really? And, you know, John Carlson, he was telling me, like, you should probably get some 
scentless shampoo, some scentless deodorant, and some toothpaste that has baking baking soda <laughs> in it or something like yeah. that. And that plays a big part. You can you can do all those things right and then you got to start worrying about your clothes yeah and you can i mean you can do all of that right to what you think all right you know i'm scentless and next thing you know the wind's going to where the deer are usually walking through and all of a sudden you see it stand straight up and kind of look around you know it looks nervous and scares the deer off i've had that happen to me yeah and i just think that like there is a big big gap between shooting and then hunting and not just saying that you have to be proficient in shooting. I mean, just knowing about deer behavior, knowing like where to even put a tree stand up, how to hang a tree stand. There's a lot to it. And there's a reason why people aren't always successful, you know. I mean, Ty, like how many hours did you log in a tree before you shot your first deer? Oh, there was there was days where I'd be out there because I was asking all kinds of questions. I wasn't being I wasn't very successful and I was like, Well, what time should I be out there? And one guy told me, Well, I Sometimes I sit out there from lunchtime till shooting light. And I'm like, oh, really? So I tried it one day. I saw one deer that whole day. But no, I probably logged in, I don't know, probably 60 hours or more before I shot my first deer. And see, that's kind of the part that intrigued me is that, you know, that factor of sitting there for how long? A whole day. And you may only see like one deer and that's your chance. Like you don't get many other chances after that. That's you get one shot, all that practice you put in. And I don't know. I feel like that adrenaline rush, like you guys have talked to me about it. That's something I want to. Well, I mean, I've never really experienced it, but like Ty has, and like, I mean, Ty's hunted a lot and I think he still says like his biggest adrenaline rush is like when a buck walks around the corner. Yeah. Cause don't get me wrong. I haven't I haven't seen many deer when I've been out in the deer deer stand. I've only, I think this was like my second year of being out there quite a bit. And yeah, it's the most boring thing you'll do until that deer walks through. And all of a sudden it's, there was a time where it was this year, a deer walks through the wood or woods or a buck was walking right beside it. And I, my adrenaline was rushing so bad. I was like shaking and I couldn't sit still Yeah, until that deer walked away. You know, on that, that's kind of what I heard you talk about that. And it was one of those things where like, man, like I'm missing out. Like I want to, you know, take part in that and experience that for myself. Yeah. Cause it's a totally different adrenaline rush. If, if you want to, if you want to compare it to something you can't, it's just totally different. Yeah. And like, that's the thing, you know, you watch these hunting shows and I think the biggest discouraging factor to people that are getting into it is like, I'm going to go out one day and shoot a deer. Well, it's like, yeah, but you might have to go out, you know, 30 days before you even see a deer. Yeah, for sure. Cause like you said, you can't just go out there and expect there to be a deer there 10 minutes later. It's a lot more work than that. So I like, like, you know, like, you know, I know you personally, Trevor enough where like you respect the grind and like, I think you really do have to really understand the grind and respect the grind. If you want to be a hunter is the number one thing I would tell people because even like Ty this year, I mean, he's, pretty experienced and like i mean how like you you shot a couple deer before but this year you ended up missing one yeah i i think i i borrowed your bow and i was totally worked up about getting a deer before the season ends because i kind of i kind of it was like a quarter of the season was already gone and 
I was like, man, I really want to bow hunt this year. So Ethan's like, yeah, you should do it. So I went out and bought a tag and he borrowed me his old bow. And I went out and the second night I was out there, you know, a doe walks by and it was a pretty nice doe and I'm not out there to shoot only antlers Yeah. at this point in my life. So I drew back the bow. It was like literally five yards from me on the ground and I, f- I felt like a complete idiot, but I drew it back and my peep sight was twisted. So I couldn't see through my peep sight. And then so I was trying to line it up. And like I said, it was five yards from me and a lot of... A lot of things went wrong, but I still shot and yeah, I totally missed. I mean, that's just a good example that like even Ty, who's like knows a little bit more about deer biology, setting up in tree stands and you still have to worry about that shot going right. And that's like not to say, I mean, like Ty's a good shot, but I mean, there's a lot of people who miss a lot of the time. Yeah. Cause another thing (laughs) I wasn't thinking about in the moment, you know, the deer is so close to me. I got to aim just a little bit below where I want it, want the arrow to go. And there's things even like that, you know, you practice shooting bow at what? 20 yards yeah. constantly but yeah what day how far was i shooting that one day <laughs> i think you shoot like 10 yards yeah, yeah. See, like, <laughs> yeah. well what was your experience with that because i know i know you've shared that with me before it was i will say it was probably one of the funnest like or most fun things i've done because it was just like uh how would i describe it you know you draw back and it's that instant gratification where that arrow uh, hits the target. So, and, you know, it's not like, it is kind of taxing on the body because after what, probably about 15, 20 shots, like my arm was kind of tired because I underestimated, you know, I work out and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay. What is it? Like 50? I think it's like 55 it was set at. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. Well, my first mistake was pulling it from the ground (laughs) to my shoulder. And that felt like 200 pounds. Uh, but you know, 55 pounds, like after 20 shots, like I was pretty taxed after that. You know, I wasn't used to that. Yeah. But weren't you telling me, you know, you were shooting at 10 yards, shooting at 10 yards and all of a sudden Ethan's like, all right, now this is where we usually (laughs) shoot from. Yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) that was the big thing. I thought that is where you usually shoot from. So I'm like, gosh, pretty good. You know, know, and uh, (laughs) then they take a step back and gosh, that target gets small quick. And, uh, you know, it is super fun though. Uh, well, I think, I think like you even noticed like the things that I would tell you, like you would have one hit arrow, like hit like in a really bad spot. And I'd be like, okay, Trev, you did this wrong. And like you would do that little minor correction. It wasn't like a big thing by any means. No. But that little minor correction, it was like arrow hit right in the middle. Yeah. For example, uh, what was I? I was bottom right. Yeah. I think uh, for three straight shots. And he's like, well, you're pulling, you're like dragging it. What did you say? Dropping your arm. Yeah. yeah. Dropping your arm. You're not holding your follow through. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, uh, string it up. And then right after I let go, I held my follow through. And, you know, just that little correction made a w- world of difference. So, And that's something I think I'm still guilty of. And I'm sure Ty is too about yeah. dropping their arm. I mean, that's a really easy thing. And like, it's, yeah, like easy you thing, s- it's easy thing to correct, but it's a hard thing to like permanently fix. Well, it's one of those things you said, like, you just want to see where that arrow went right yeah, away. Yeah. And you want to pull it back. Oh, sweet. But. Yeah, because when I was shooting pretty religiously, um, when I first started getting into shooting bow and bow hunting, I remember I was shooting with John Carlson because he would always teach me a lot and he was always good at nitpicking you, you know, oh, you drop your arm or you, you didn't hold your follow through. And there was oftentimes I'd have 
something fixed for like one or two arrows and all of a sudden the arrow would be like an inch off of the grouping that I usually shoot and he'd be like you're doing it again yeah and I think that was one thing that I kind of had to prepare myself for was just being able to be taught you know like and not take the criticism in a bad way like Ethan telling me to do this isn't saying like I suck like it's just saying look this is something I need to work on and, you know, I'm helping you because I want better for you. It's not like, oh, Ethan's <laughs> nagging me again. Like, come on, just get off my back, you know? Yeah. So well, Another thing I'll say about, like, bow hunting or just hunting in general, I mean, Trevor, like, you're pretty gifted athletically. And, like, you know, there's nothing, like, there's no amount of being, like, giftedly athletic that can make you a better hunter. Like, yeah. you weren't just, like, pick up a bow and a natural. Like, you were a natural at a lot of things. But like bow hunting is something that you're not natural at. And I think if you're willing to put the time in, like it kind of levels the playing field for a lot of people. That's what I liked about it too, because, you know, uh, like seven foot guy. Yeah. He's going to be yeah. okay at basketball, yeah. but it doesn't matter what height you are, what, uh, skill you bring to the table at the end of the day with bow hunting, it's going to be the person who practiced the most, Yeah, which like in other things, that's not always the case. And that's what kind of intrigued me, you know, that level playing field. The challenge, the adrenaline rush, all that stuff was like big factors into why I was like, you know, this is something I yeah, want to pick up. It's going to be fun to watch you develop as a bow hunter if you were to still pursue it, yeah. obviously. But um, because for basketball, you know, growing up with you, you worked a lot harder than I did to be a better basketball player. And it really, it really did pay off in the end. And I mean, you're so motivated and all about that grind. It's fun to watch. Yeah, I think, like, seeing someone like you who's, like, actually, like, once they set, like, their mind to something like that, and, like, bow hunting could be an example of that, like, showing somebody who, like, sets their, they're really, really wanting to set their mind to something that, like, they can become a really good hunter. Because I, I will say I'm often guilty of it when someone comes up to me and says, you know, oh, maybe I want to try duck hunting, or maybe I want to try bow hunting. I'm like, all right, kind of take it with a grain of salt, and the next week they forget about it. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I think everybody kind of like sees that like, you know, that cool picture, that cool time yeah. when like, you know, when Ty shot a bunch of ducks. Yeah. And I I'm definitely guilty of that, but don't get me wrong, I'm very open to helping people out, so don't be afraid to approach me. Anybody listening to this. Yeah, that's that's goes for both of us and even someone like Trevor who's maybe got a little bit more experience like kind of in the same boat as you guys. Yeah. I am exactly in the same boat. Like I'm sitting there Oh, Ty would be watching that show Meat Eater and like, I had no idea what was going on. Like, I'd have to ask like 20 <laughs> questions an episode because I'm like, what? Like, wait, they call an animal this? Like, I'm, I, yeah, I don't know. And it's fun. Like, as long as I say the biggest thing, you know, coming from a guy who absolutely knew nothing, is just like I said, I probably said it a hundred times already, but having that open mindset and knowing you're probably going to sound stupid a little bit, like it's <laughs> yeah. just going to happen. Yeah, but as long as you can... Take it with a grain of salt. You know, the guys are going to give you a little crap, but that's part of the experience. And, you know, being, I'm still doing it right now. So I don't know. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. And like positive just, mindset. Yeah. Positive mindset. And like, don't have your expectations that you're going to go shoot, you know, an eight point buck. I mean, just be happy you see a deer, be happy you're out there and be happy you're confident enough shooting your bow. So, yeah. And another thing when you're for, if you're going to start out bow hunting, don't be afraid to shoot. I've been told this by, John Carlson, who I keep bringing up, but I've been told that, you know, shoot a doe after a doe and 
just to get that practice down. And then by the time, you know, you got all that field experience of shooting a deer from the boat, from the deer stand, um, by the time that buck walks or walks around, you're going to be prepared to make an accurate shot, compose yourself while all that adrenaline is rushing and hopefully come out of the hunt successful. Well, that's just a thing that just makes hunting hard in general is you got only so many days you can hunt. You know, there's a small window of time that you actually have personally to hunt. Like, it's not like you can go out and practice hunting and you can go out practice shooting, but like being in a real hunting scenario is a totally different thing. And that only comes with like a lot of time and experience. I mean, like you said, like you might only get, you know, one shot in a deer a year. Yeah, that that's uh, it scares me. But also at the same time, like it kind of like intrigues me because like you have that one shot. Yeah, I mean, I it's, feel. it's like kind of like going out of line at the free throw line. And like, yeah. you know, you're like, yeah, this is to win the game. So. Yep. so I think that that's just something that I uh, I looked and I was like, that would be really cool. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm definitely glad that motivates you because you know, that might shy away a lot of new hunters. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are always like, oh, there's, you know, we want a lot of hunters in the sport, which I mean, I want more hunters in the sport. But like, you know, the people really realize like what really like goes on from know from start to finish well yeah i if i'm gonna be honest like i was uh a little deterred from uh, bow hunting because originally i saw joe rogan and all these pictures and stuff and then you hear like uh, what we've kind of talked about how you may go a whole year and like not even get a buck or like see one like you know and i was kind of like geez like you have to like i had to look back and be like all right is this something like i really want to do then so, yeah, you know. and from an, not that I've experienced it, but for people who want to go out West too, you know, often I think it plays in people's mind where, oh, I'm going to spend all this money and I'm not even guaranteed that I'm going to shoot whatever animal you're going after. Yeah. So like quick question, uh, what, like how much would it be for me to like, to get a tag? Like, you know, like in Iowa. Yeah. Uh, it's like $35. All right, Ty. Yeah, $35. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, plus whatever you're hunting. What's a hunting license? And I don't even know. Yeah, what is oh, it? 20 is it? Yeah, I think the hunting and habitat fee is, I want to say it's like 15 bucks. I'm not sure. And then I always have a bunch of other crap on my license because of turkey hunting and okay. duck hunting. But you, you probably... Around 50 bucks, maybe? Yeah. In total? You, yeah. 50, okay. 60. I can't remember exactly what it is. But, you know, like once you, if you're really happy with like your bow and your setup and your arrows and like you have a tree stand you like that's mobile or a tree saddle, like, you know, that's like, it's a, it's a high initial investment, but like a reincurring investment only might be only be $50 a year if you're not upgrading any of the other gear. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, you can, I mean, there's a lot of guys who are like, you know, it's worth Sitka and First Light and yeah, it's awesome. But like you can go to Walmart and buy camel there and like you can get by with a cheap tree stand and, but I mean, like, there's very, you can make it minimal if you want to. That's what I mean. That kind of scare, uh, scares me a little bit with not even knowing if that's going to be something I, uh, like, bow hunting is something I want to do, like, you know, just trying it out. I don't know if I'll stick, like, want to stick with it. And, you know, you see the price and you're kind of like, oh, man, like, I get, that does kind of scare me, you know? Yeah, don't be afraid up front when you see that, you know, when you ask someone, Oh, what is it? What does it take to get into deer hunting? And then they're like, "Well, you gotta have this and this." Don't be afraid of that by any means. There yeah. is there is cheaper ways out. 
Yeah, there's definitely cheaper ways. There's used stuff. There's people who like give away stuff all the time. You might be able to use some stuff. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of ways to get around, you know, that full price you'd pay at like a big outdoor store. Okay. Yeah, because I the clothes that I hunt with are, oh, I think they're Cabela's. Grandpa bought them for me a while ago, but let's just say Cabela's. I think that's what they are. But I think the full set was like 150 bucks or something okay. like that. Super cheap, but it's it's puffy. It keeps me super warm on those really, really cold days. Plus, I have layers underneath, but... You know, not not very expensive to what you could be getting into. Yeah, I mean, people like wearing sick could get like, you know, thousand, fifteen hundred dollars just in clothes. So, I mean, <laughs> like you don't have to have that to go kill a deer by any means. But yeah, and it, if you think you're going to spend that money and then all of a sudden you get all that gear and now you can't afford to go hunting, that would be pretty detrimental. Yeah, I think yeah. that uh, that's what I was curious about. You know, you get the bow and all uh, and you're ready to hunt and like. Well, now you got to get the gear. Yeah. And that's a whole nother aspect of like, which gear do you want? Which gear should I get? You know, like what brand and stuff. So, I mean, that's another thing. I mean, I think, you know, with hunting and fishing, I think there's always a market for you stuff. And like, you can always buy stuff and resell it. And I've done it numerous times, but you know, with just hunting in general, I think it's just, you have to like, I mean, like I've been doing it for a couple of years and like, you know, you can take a year to kind of acquire a lot of gear. And if you kind of break that over like a year, like that's, <clears throat> let's say it's like a thousand dollars total to get into hunting, you know, over like a year or two years, really, that's not too much money per month. If you were to save that, okay, it seems like a lot upfront, but mm-hmm. if you were to actually save it. Yeah. Because I think for, you know, I've been goose hunting ever since I was really little and, uh, probably high school when I finally kind of stopped growing a little bit, um, I bought some more expensive gear in my eyes which was that 150 dollars set but i hunted with that for i don't know probably four to six years until this year i finally treated with myself with a little sitka but okay. it, it it does work it all works the same i mean some are better than the other but it all works the same okay yeah that was you know one of the big things i wanted to hit on because i for me that was one of the scariest parts about getting into it you know the price and what to get and what not to get because before this i had no idea that like sitka and like Hoyt and all that stuff were like the top one so i yeah i just didn't know well especially too like that's like say you go on youtube and you're like well what kind of camo to wear i mean like those guys are going to be like usually they're sponsored yeah so they're always pushing whatever they're sponsored by and they don't really care about the price tag so i mean like you just got to be able to cipher through that information and like you know actually talk to some people who are actually been doing it and have some like realistic expectations for you to set as far as like money goes. Yeah. But you know, like that's probably like number one thing I would say is just, you know, getting, you know, getting comfortable and, you know, it is high upfront cost, but there's always, you might take a little loss, but you can always resell stuff too. So I would never be like afraid of price by any okay. means. No, cause there's always someone out there who's, gonna be where you were once at and wants to start getting into it and you know it's a good market for them people selling the bows were a lot nicer and like more welcoming to like help me out uh than i expected you know you kind of think oh shoot is this person just trying to like uh sell me like a full-blown sales yeah yeah Yeah. but no they're guys that are like hey you know i was once in that position too like uh that facebook group chat what was it called ethan uh, just like bow hunters of Iowa. Yeah, yeah, that one did really help me out. 
style. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like 40,000 people in there. And I think like, even when you post like in search of a left-handed bow, I think there's like, like 10, there's probably pe- 10, 15 people selling bows 15, on there. Yeah. I'd probably got 15 uh, bows in like, I'd probably say 48 hours. Well, I remember, yeah. I think at first you were showing me all the comments and then I was like, oh, have you checked your messenger or something like that? And Trevor's like, oh, I don't even have that downloaded. <laughs> yeah. And he downloaded it and he had like 50 other messages <laughs> yeah. on there. Yep. So, I mean, that's the thing too, but like, you know, hunting, this is kind of a different subject which we'll translate to. It's like, I don't think you can always judge hunting or like a successful hunt by like, if you were successful in the field, I think it, a lot has to do with like experience. So as far as like, you know, like, who were you with? Did you have a fun time? Oh, was it a, was it fun? I think that's the biggest thing. It's not always about like, did you limit out? Did you kill an eight point? Like, did you have fun doing so? And like, will you keep doing it? Because I think people that I really like romanticizing, like, oh, I want that eight point or I want that limit. Like, those aren't the people who always stick with the sport. No, if, if you're not out there to have fun, then yeah, you're probably not going to stick with it. So just try to have fun. Don't have that mindset of, I need that eight pointer. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing I'll just tell you, Trev. And I think that's a good way to kind of like talk about it and kind of end the little hunting tangent we kind of had but i mean did you got any other questions for us or like what kind of like things about hunting in general um let me see we talked about the bow uh exactly like after you get done honestly i don't really think i have too many more questions no yeah i guess like you know one thing we'll talk about too is like you know in most states over 18 you still have to do your hunter education. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. And that, that's virtual. So you can do all that class online. And then like in most states, you don't have to actually do a field day, which would be like, we have to like go and shoot a gun or anything. Oh, okay. So you can do most of it virtual. And I think it's like $20 for the course. So, I mean, that's another thing that you have to have if you want to go hunting. Yeah. So if you, if you haven't done that or, and you're thinking about hunting, just, just go online and go through the course. It's, pretty easy and you do learn a little bit from it and it's just something to always have nice to have yeah i mean it's definitely just a lot of good safety reminders especially like for like a new hunter who like think that you might overlook some things that they talk about yeah and like things that are obvious to someone like tyler and i but then aren't like obvious to someone like you so i know yeah there's a lot of things that you guys just like naturally think about where i'm like oh like i have to consciously like oh shoot like i need to remember to do that type of stuff so, yeah because I know bringing on new hunters like duck hunting all the time, it's pretty important. I'm kind of a stickler for like, all right, this is what we're going to be cautious about. And, you know, watch where you're swinging your gun. You know, you only get to shoot this way, yeah. not the other. Um, safety, safety, safety. But that course walks you through a lot of that. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I guess we'll kind of talk about, you know, one of your recent outdoor experiences. Yeah, was yeah kind of I was fr- going to. Froggin. I mean, that's something that you and Ty did a lot this summer or spring. We just kind of picked that up. I think I started with Jackson, our yep, uh, one of our last guests. But and then I took Trevor out, and you really caught on to that. Well, yeah, that was super fun. Just uh, I don't know. It'd usually be around like five, six o'clock, uh, and we'd go out with what? It was literally just like a spear, and yeah, we had one of those four prong spears, and then. A pole, like I had a. Well, not to interrupt. I mean, like when we say frog, and we're talking about like bullfrogs. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. bullfrogs, bullfrogs. <laughs> yeah. Um, which are pretty meaty. Yeah, pretty meaty, and I don't think I really never hear of people 
eating them often around here but no. you know i looked it up you can go harvest bullfrogs and so we we tried it out and yeah we were hunting quote unquote hunting or fishing for them with a i took a treble hook one of my old buddies taught me this i took a treble hook and put a little red cloth on it and just dangled in front of their face yep. and yeah they bite it or we even or, started out fishing with a frog lure yeah and <laughs> i remember it was really fun uh, it works awesome with two people maybe i don't know three or four would work too but uh we one of us would ha have the pole and like slowly reel it in and the other one would kind of be sitting at the edge of the water with that spear getting ready to just grab it and i think after that you know uh, they are huge that was one of the biggest things i like <laughs> i was like holy yeah, I crap think, i think trevor described one as he was trying to sneak up on one and he's like my god that <laughs> thing was the size of a big man yeah dude it was huge um but no what did what would we usually get like five or six yeah maybe? five or six a night that yeah. was a pretty good spot but i mean like that was like a thing where you guys were successful at but like it was also a lot of fun oh like he yeah. has like a lot of laughs there and like it wasn't super high tense or anything it's like that was a good way for people to like get out and like have their first kind of experience like harvesting something and cleaning something so yeah and we and we took them we took them back and finally fried them up their, yeah they were really legs. good yeah uh, they, one of the funniest stories is that okay so we fried them up that night and our next door neighbors uh we told them we're like you know we invited them over and they're like oh what are you guys cooking and like oh just you know just cooking like we didn't want to tell them yeah. uh, uh the two girls sat down and we were like oh yeah try it of course they did you don't even need ranch or like ketchup or anything no. on them and they tried it and they're like oh that's pretty good what is it and we're like frogs well they instantly <laughs> wanted to throw up spit it out <laughs> yeah. but before they knew that they said it tasted really good yeah they did say if i did not know that that was a frog <laughs> i i would eat that you know? you're just eating a frog leg right? yeah just yeah. the frog leg yeah. yeah the back legs like yeah. the thigh and how does that compare to like a regular like chicken drumstick? Is it like bigger than that or like same size? A little bit smaller, right? Yeah, when they get big, they're a little bit smaller. Um, I guess if you could compare it to like a chicken wing, yeah, it'd that's be pretty. I mean. It'd be pretty comparable to that size. Um, but the texture is definitely way different. Yeah, it was like it's not bad. No, but it's just something where you're like, oh, yep, that definitely is not a you know a chicken like. They could tell right away, but it wasn't bad. So we'll have to get you eating some frog yeah. legs, Ethan. Yeah, we'll have to make some videos this year doing it and eating some and see how Ty cooks them up. What I mean, like <laughs> you guys said, uh, how it's so easy to pick up. Like, all, it, you could have used like just a spear, fishing pole, and what we had like a pair of boots or something. We yeah, need anything else. I mean, you wouldn't even have to have a pair of boots either. I mean, yeah. you, could, you could go barefoot on the shoreline, but. Just the oldest fishing pole that you have laying around. Oh just yeah. tie a treble hook with a red cloth on it. Yep. Well, I mean, I think everybody, like, they're around everywhere. I mean, like, any place there's a body of water, there's a good chance there's a bullfrog. Yep. Well, you'll definitely know the sound of them. Yeah, <laughs> it was crazy because once it got darker and darker, you could kind of see their heads sticking yep. out with the sun shadowing over them. And you would be surprised how many were like out there that we couldn't get to. Yeah. There was tons of them. Like probably right by the shore. There'd be like what? 10, 15 you'd say. Yeah. Probably and 10, 15. We need probably a, need a kayak. No, <laughs> I yeah. know that would be a lot of fun or a canoe. 
That, yep. that might be pretty detrimental though. Getting pretty <laughs> excited about that frog and then tipping over. The, one of the funnier stories too was uh, we were riding back uh, and all we did was just put them in a plastic sack and then, you know, put them in a lunchbox. Well, we, we tried. Well, yeah. Yeah. We tried knocking them out, but. I mean, you guys tried being humane, but they're like, oh, kind yes, of tough that's as like shit. we did. We did everything in our minds. to like what I do to fish, we were trying to be yep. humane about it, taking them home and eating them. Yeah. But yeah, and, you guys are like trying to like have them like have the fastest death possible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, for sure. We thought we did that. And, you know, we were like, uh, Ty was driving back and I'm like, that noise. Like, yeah, I heard a plastic bag ruffling. And next thing you know, a head, like I opened the lunchbox and there's like two frogs just chilling right there with their heads out. It was, yeah, we had, uh, I don't know. That was one of the funnier things. Yeah, I know in Jackson's car when we, uh, my first time doing it, <laughs> Uh, we got back to my house and we're like, all right, let's go get those frogs out. And we opened the cooler. There's nothing in there. <laughs> we're like, where did these things go? Pretty soon we're searching for frogs all around Jackson's car. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're pretty fast too. Like, yeah, they're tough. I, I one time one like fell off our spear and like, I was, yeah, they are tough. One bugger had like, I don't know. And like one eye and he just got away from us like we couldn't get him <laughs> yeah that, it was crazy definitely yeah. a fun experience i mean oh even gosh. like when you guys had five it wasn't like you guys was like went got five and then left i mean like there was a lot you guys like missed and like oh, didn't yeah. get. I mean, there's a lot of learning experience even there yeah we, we probably only caught like a quarter of them yeah, yeah. because there's, there's a lot of times they really don't get hooked they kind of just hang on no until they land <laughs> i know and i remember one of the first times uh, I like crawled for like five, 10 minutes to this one spot. And I had the spear like probably a foot away from him. And right as about, I'm about to spear him. He just swims away. It was just <laughs> heartbreaking. Yeah. That's, that's a good example yeah, of hunting. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is a good example of hunting. But no, that one was really fun. Just a good experience. And, you know, didn't need much. And it was kind of cool, like going out, like harvesting, like and eating something like yeah. you actually harvested and kind of having that full encompassing experience there. Yep. I mean, mm -hmm. I think, I think everybody, I think that's another food that like we should definitely try to highlight because I think a lot of people have a bad perception of frog legs. I mean, yeah. I've seen, and they probably are bad, but I mean like I've seen them at a buffet line. So this frog <laughs> legs, it's like, and those don't look too appetizing. Yeah. Like, we'll sit in a hot lamp all day. <laughs> and I was looking it up like, uh, see if they were like nutritious, um, you know, the protein value wasn't terrible. Like I, I wouldn't say it was too bad. So I think there was like, there wasn't very much. There was only like three grams of protein probably, but it depends. Cause some of those legs were really like, <laughs> depends. yeah, it depends on what kind of bullfrog you're getting. Yeah. Is it like a white meat? I don't know. Or what kind of color is it? Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a white meat. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was good. Did you, what do you think um, about butchering them? Like going to heart, like actually like cleaning that was, them and stuff. That was different. <laughs> um, I think it was one of those things where I had to be like, all right, come on. Let's not just, uh, I don't know, pussyfoot around here. He wanted to, <clears throat> he was like talking about how I'd kind of be careful with it. And he's like, no, you're going to hurt the frog if you're doing that. Just get in there. Go quick. So that was, that was fun. Uh, I don't know. I had to watch him a couple times though, because I was like, I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I watched one YouTube video and it's pretty easy. Yeah. Kind of just undress them like it would anything else. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I don't think you were, like, grossed out about by the guts. It was more so mm -hmm. just, like, about, like, the 
details about how to like get the most meat and everything which yeah. is definitely a little challenging on everything so yeah because anything i ever harvest i get the full potential of what it has to offer take everything you can eat off of it yeah i think that was the biggest thing uh you know trying to be uh as humane as possible with it and also trying to not leave any leftover meat on the frog like that was that was kind of hard to be yeah, honest. like kind of like do good by the frog like yep. i mean like he's like giving you food so yeah, yeah. yeah and a good him. experience yeah and a good experience yep. so that's a definitely a good primer for someone that's like just thinking about getting outside and experience for it so yeah we kind of showed what i was missing yeah i showed what you're missing like kind of like the i think it's definitely not even like the hunt just like you know you're missing like these experiences if you're not open-minded we, to it yeah and you know like i don't know we have limited amount of time to do all these things in our life and you know i don't want to i was kind of look kicking myself because i'm like what are you doing you're sitting on your phone you're inside all day checking out what's new on netflix while tyler and ethan are outside enjoying like what the world has to offer like i don't know i won't yeah i guess i never thought about it that way i was kind of bumming me out i was like dang like why am i not doing that taking advantage of it yeah i mean i think that's i definitely want more people outside and i think that just like you know i think there's a lot of you know, social issues that can not social, but mental issues that can come from like being inside your head or being inside too much. Yeah. And I think like just going out and doing something as simple as like frogging even and definitely alleviate some of that. Yeah. Especially with, you know, we kind of got into it with, uh, mainly because I think, uh, COVID and everything, we were back home. We didn't have anything to do. So like, it was just something to go out and do. Yeah. We were driving ourselves insane, getting trucker butts, sitting on a computer (laughs) for six hours a day. You know, you don't want to do that. So, and it was still like a challenge. I mean, yes. like, yes, still like something you're chill starting to talk, like outsmart a frog. I mean, as dumb as it might yeah, sound, the, it's yeah, still I hard. Know. It's <laughs> way harder than it sounds. I definitely went to, I was like, yeah, we're going to go frog. And I'm like, well, that's not going to be hard. Like, what? <laughs> and then 10 missed frogs later, I'm like, well, geez, never mind then. Yeah, it's tough, especially trying to throw that spear at him. No. <laughs> yeah. So, um, where can uh, people find you, Trevor? I think you're on Instagram, right? Yeah, Instagram. Uh, What's your handle? Oh, geez. Uh, probably, honestly, I think it's just Trevor Hanna, to okay. be honest. Yeah. So, like, Trevor Hanna, find him, give him a follow. Hopefully, we'll have some cool uh, frogging things up and yeah. maybe some cool hunting stuff for this fall. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe shoot um, some bow and do some fun definitely. stuff. Um, All right. You got anything else, guys? No, um, that's, I think yeah, that I think covers we, it. I think we hit everything. All yeah. right. Sounds great. Well, thanks for coming on, Trevor. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. Yep. Yeah, well, thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks, guys.